The Seattle Seahawks entered the 2022 NFL Draft with four of the first 72 picks and used them to select tackle Charles Cross, edge rusher Boye Mafe, running back Kenneth Walker III, and tackle Abe Lucas. Joining us to break it down is the NFL editor for USA Today and draft guru Doug Farrar. Plus, here are reactions to the picks as they happened. Let's light them up. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. Welcome back to the Cigar Lounge. I am Jackson Bevins, and along with my producer and newest member of the Beard Club, Mike Barwin, this is the Cigar Thoughts Podcast. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm feeling draftable, Jackson. Where's my four-year fully guaranteed contract? My God. <laughs> it's coming, man. I'm going to be watching the ticker, <laughs> waiting for you to pop up on my Mel Kuyper's best available. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm Mr. Irrelevant, no doubt. <laughs> not here. Not here. You're easily like a mid-sixth round pick. Hey, we all have our ceiling, don't we? <laughs> well, we're recording this Saturday morning after the first two days of the draft have been completed, and after months of lead-up and endless speculation, the draft is finally upon us. We've been watching most of it together over the last couple of days, but now that you've had a chance to sleep on the first three rounds, how are you feeling about Seattle's performance so far? I feel pretty good about it. You know, we we were you know, banging the drum of offensive line, offensive line, offensive line uh, throughout throughout the 21 season. We were also telling them to, you know, hit corner early, which maybe they were trying to do, but the board didn't fall to them in, in that uh, direction. But yeah, man, I feel pretty solid about all of their picks. Don't love the value of taking a running back at 41 when you have so many other holes to fill, but I understand it. It's not something that like tanks their overall draft grade for me in any way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but honestly, when it comes to the draft, I'm far more of a get the most talent every year that you can and draft a little bit less for need because you are going to have a little bit more of a developmental process uh, with rookies. With the amount of free agency capital that Seattle is going to have next year, I think that's how you address holes. If you need, if you have immediate needs, it's better to spend on them because you've got guys with NFL track records and NFL tape that you can look at. And for me, the draft should be about accumulating as much total talent as you can because over those three, four years that you've got those guys, your team is going to change. The identity is going to change. The roster is going to change. And it's difficult to only draft for one system. And I, I think we're seeing Seattle start to pivot a little bit off of the way they've drafted in the past. So, yeah, I, I think on the spreadsheet, Kenneth Walker at 41 is a bit of a reach. But it's not unusual for great running backs to go early round two. We're talking Nick Chubb and Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and Javante Williams. That's just recently, you know, and 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 they're big impact players. So, um, but even if you feel like it's a little early, I it's hard to say there were many players on the board at that point with more overall talent and upside than Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. I think that the complexion of all of this changes if they manage to re-sign DJ Reed. Yes. I think that like everything yes. shifts if that happens. And it's a bummer that it didn't happen, but they they probably like uh like Sidney Jones more than a lot of people think. They're pretty confident in Trey Brown's recovery. So it is what it is. I love that they doubled up on uh, offensive tackles. That is Porn, yeah. dude. Absolute porn. Looking at bookends for hopefully the next five to ten years, you know, in Cross and uh, in Lucas. So the the biggest thing that I noticed was that every single one of their picks is a name that we had discussed. There weren't any out of left field, you know. There weren't any huge surprises. Everything kind of made it did. Sense, it was so weird. Very yeah. weird. The thing that made the least sense about this draft so far is that it has made the most sense. Like, I am so used to having to Google guys that Seattle drafts, even on days one and two. And for me to have this level of familiarity with these guys, because 
I'm not someone that is going to have in-depth scouting reports on 250 players. I have to zero in on a couple dozen that I think Seattle has a chance well, to get. that's you. I get it. You know, you work with what you got. <laughs> that is not one of the tools in my box, but I can learn about a couple dozen guys really quickly and deeply. And every single one that Seattle drafted was on my short list. So uh, subjectively, I'm thrilled, but it's also been a little bewildering to see how many people from a national perspective really like this draft class for Seattle. Well, that seems like the inverse, right? Like if everybody hates it, then the class is good. If everybody loves it, then the class is bad. So adjust accordingly, Jackson. Yeah, no, no kidding. It's just, it's just nice to not be getting hit over the head when you're looking up articles about your favorite team's draft picks. You know, it's just like, it's a lot of people like them, including. Don't worry. The running back discourse will still get you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And our, (laughs) it will, man, that that'll never die. But Honestly, I mean, even our guest today is is a fan of these picks, and he's a pretty harsh grader, so I'm I'm excited about that. And you know I've been leading the wait on QB parade ever since the Russell Wilson trade, and yet there was Malik Willis staring this team in the face four times. Four times. Along with Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, etc. And yet the Seahawks resisted that siren song. Instead, they went tackle, edge, running back, tackle, we were saying, invest in the trenches this year. Go get your quarterback next year. Man, they're holding the line on that. God, is is the dynamic quarterback going to fall to you in the 70s again? Is history repeating itself? But I cannot hate them for sticking to their evaluations. I know that evaluations on quarterbacks are kind of just like some uh, intangible uh, substance permeating the ether, but I I don't hate it. You know, don't lock yourself into a quarterback for four years on a rookie deal when the rest of the roster isn't there yet necessarily, and then you're obligated to see this through throughout the course of that contract. Build the roster up like we were saying, and then take your guy next year when you have a ton of capital. Yeah, and I think that if they had traded Russell Wilson last year, it'd be a different story. And you got to try and leave the draft with one of those Lawrence, Fields, Lance, Jones, Wilson, even um, Davis Mills. Uh, You know, that's a different story because then, you know, 2022, it's this class where only one quarterback gets taken in the first 80 picks. So now that you're drafting in this class where we've never seen the NFL in the modern draft era devalue a quarterback class like this one this is the year to punt on it and and I think that they're going to be in really good shape both financially and from a draft capital standpoint to take advantage of a loaded class next year we are totally fine with them punting on quarterback this year with that being said I wavered Mike we're about to uh give everybody a glimpse inside of our mindset throughout the draft in real time and let me tell you we were pretty on the edge of our seats about Malik Willis throughout the entirety of that yeah yeah man I mean we were we were counting the picks trying to figure out who in front of them uh, needed a quarterback, or who had the draft capital trade up? It was, we were Zach was, Galifianakis in Vegas. We, we were just the numbers we were, were soaring man, over our we head. We totally and were. By. And and you know this this is cool because those of you listening already know how you felt when Seattle announced each of its picks. But like Mike just mentioned, we watched them together, and Barr went over here, tapped into his NSA t- tool chest, and recorded everything that we were talking and and feeling. Um, as these picks came along. So uh, you guys can all relive it, hear how we were feeling. Mike, you got the audio for that first pick? Brother, I'll do you one better. I've got the audio for all of the picks. Get out of here. All right. Well, you ready to jump in? Let's do it. Here is the audio of Mike and I leading up to and through each of the Seahawks' first four picks. All right, here we are. The road to the ninth pick has been paved. Drake London off the board. All right. The Seahawks, Seahawks are on time. the clock. Charles Cross is still on the board. It's got to be Charles Cross. You would hope. I mean, that's ideal, but... I shouldn't be feeling this way. <laughs> In what way would that be? 
Describe your emotions, Jackson. Tell me. Tell me what you're going through. The emotional tumult. Like, I am... I am betting on optimism, but it is the smaller of the two dogs right now. I I definitely picked the runt in this dog fight because I just I feel like Trevor Penning, I can smell him. This is incredibly precarious right now. It like, is. Like this this is a I don't know, this is the most important pick that the Seahawks have made in a decade? Easy. Ten years ten years ago they were picking fifteenth. I mean, if they go Jordan Davis, that's exciting. It's not it's not quite the position of need that Seattle has, but honestly, I'm not I'm not as huge on draft for need um, as a lot of people are, especially with how much free agency money Seattle's gonna have next year. I'm more like spend for immediate need and draft for talent. Because it's probably going to take a little bit before they're real impact guys anyway. So I'm not like married to certain positions here. That's why Charles Cross is such an intriguing prospect because he is potentially a blue chip big name guy and the Seahawks have zero offensive tackles with any NFL experience on their roster. I mean, you got you to gotta think they've just got kind of Dwayne Brown waiting in the next room, but that's, that's a one-year fix you know maybe there's a team option for a second year or something um but you got a chance to address it for cheap not to say that charles cross or anyone else is going to be Dwayne brown here we go no trade down all right if they take malik willis will you be excited yeah of course i'll be excited have to be i'll be i'll be fucking pumped and jacked it it's it's not the plan that I have in place for them. But if you're going to go quarterback at nine, Malik Willis, I'm good with it. Just got a, uh, just got an ad for the Trevor project, which <laughs> penning foreshadowing. I don't even want to say that. My bad. Don't, don't manifest that. I'm, I, don't manifest. My, my apologies. No manifesting Trevor penning. Okay, I guess Cross is my number one, Davis is my number two, and Malik is my number three. If if they're making this pick, I think those are the three. Where would your head be if they selected Kyle Hamilton with this pick? Uh, so Kyle Hamilton is probably one of my five favorite players in this draft. Um, you know, they, they say one of the main questions when they're interviewing their defensive coaches is, what's your plan for Jamal Adams? If they got Kyle Hamilton, who's you know probably the rangiest safety since Derwin James, move Jamal down into the box and let him be a hybrid cover linebacker slash edge rusher, that, that would be fun because Diggs and Hamilton would be elite, elite on the back end, like crazy elite. Well, we're about to find out, brother. Here we go. Yeah, baby. All right. An inspiring first-round pick. Woo! Okay, I can get behind that. They got a blue-chip tackle. Oh, my God. All all I was hearing in my ears was Trevor Penning. And they didn't do it. They stuck with the program, man, and they got a tackle. That's great. I am so excited to just listen to the Pete and John pressers and just be like, yes, everything you're saying is true. He was number one on your board. You were willing to trade all the way up to get him. Best player in the draft. I'm just going to be freaking soaking in it like a milk bath. I really didn't think Cross would be there. I, I did not either. I was not expecting any of the big three tackles to drop. But All right, now this is this is really important, Jackson. What, what number did he wear in college? Am I imagining he wore 67? He wore 67. Look, I'm not going to read him. into this Talk too much. Talk to him, Mike. I'm not going to read into this too much. That is a subpar offensive tackle number. That's all I'm saying. It is. It's something he can work on. It's something he can work on at the next level. But. but Room for improvement there. But Charles Cross is an elite offensive elite, tackle name. So Elite look, name. Look, look, man. They've got two Hall of Fame caliber offensive tackle names on that roster. So, If they hold those picks at 40 and 41... Who are you hoping is still there and that they take? Like, who would you be excited about being there at 40? If Brees Hall is there. 
is that like the everything co- comes full circle, you know, like we've kind of swung back in the direction of competence and we need to balance it out by a highly drafted running back again? <laughs> he, Brees Hall, man, here's the thing. He might be a running back that matters. I'm not advocating for Brees Hall at 40 or 41. I'm just saying he might be one of those guys. And honestly, how many running backs do Seattle have right now? They have Rashad Penny, who's never played more than, what, seven games in a row? DJ Dallas is the only back on the roster that's under contract next season, I believe. Which Right. we got to assume, of course, they're building the room around Travis Homer. I'm sure he's just holding out for the money that he deserves. I'm sure he'll be back. It's true. Very true. I, hey, you know what? The banner carrier for great Seahawks running backs. But honest, honestly, though, like DJ Dallas isn't really a meaningful piece of this offense. Rashad Penny is. But he's on a one-year deal, and he's fragile. Chris Carson has a broken neck. Like, I get you can get running backs late, but can you get a Pete Carroll engine of the offense running back late? Him and Kenneth Walker are tempting. The dream for me is one of those guys at 72. I don't think we're – Kenneth Walker at 72 would be amazing. Or, Or I would trade up. I would package 72 and something else to get up for one of those guys, but I don't think I'm taking them at 40 and 41. All right, man. We're just a few picks away. Seahawks got back-to-back picks coming up at 40 and 41. Dude, let's, let's, let's be real. Our hopes are officially up for Malik Willis at this point. Like I know it's not rational anymore. You shut your trap. I am, I am here. I am here rooting for Malik Willis. Okay. Jaylen All right. Petrie. Hope is alive. This is ridiculous. I can't I can't be rooting for for them to take a quarterback. I have been banging the drum to not draft a quarterback. But here I am. The moment reveals all. And here I am in the moment rooting for Malik Willis. Welcome. Welcome. Isn't uh isn't Petrie the name of that motherfucker from Land Before Time? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. Do I know what you're talking about? Like, I haven't watched all 26 of those. Are there 26? I don't know. But I've seen them. You know what? You know what show I loved as a kid that I would be totally down for just a super cheesy Michael Bay remake? Did you ever watch Dino Riders? I might I, I might be too old, man, but Dino Riders, when I was like eight, is just a bunch of dudes riding around on dinosaurs having laser gun fights. Like, that was the whole show. That's the image that I see in my head whenever I hear dubstep. Yes. Yes. Dubstep for children. Wow. One season in 88. They flew too close to the sun. They did, man. It was too good. It was too hot for TV. Oh, God. All right. Falcons Falcons pick is in. You know what? Is I could They need to shore up their defense. I could see them taking Ebiketti, oh, which is like. I would love that. Who I would feel who great I re- about that. No, no, no. I could see Atlanta taking Ebiketti. Oh. I wouldn't feel great about that. No, no, because he's, if we're not going quarterback, he's like the guy I want. Kobe Dean's like still Mafe, on the board, though. too. Dean is on the board. I like I like uh, Boye Mafe. Man, what if Seattle is sitting there at 40 and 41 without trading their picks and Malik is there and they don't take him? Like, at that point, you just got to say, like. I'm convinced that's what's going to happen. Yeah, you just got to say, like. They did their they did their research. Lot of smoke around Seattle and Willis though today. Just in the last like hour. I'm sick of these lengthy stints of seeing the pick is in on the screen. This is this is my own personal service time manipulation. This is bullshit. It is. You know what though? The reason I'm at peace for it is this is a made for TV event, right? Like the whole draft could be done in one evening. But they want to give everyone a chance to talk about the pick that was just made and like you know, who's going to be the best fit, who's the best players left, all that kind of stuff. I, I, I'm fine with it because when the draft is over, it's just kind of like a long stretch before football gets interesting again. So I'm, I'm all about just stretching it out as far as you can. All right. All right, Atlanta. Those fuckers are going to take Ebiketti. Ah, yep. took Ebiketti. Yep. Ah, uh, he's good, man. But – you know what? Boye Mafe is still there. I like him. Nicobe Dean is still there. I like him. Drake Jackson still there. Ritter and Willis. Drake Jackson is there. If Ritter and uh, 
and Willis are still on the board. And, and they, they take Howell. Take Howell. That would be just oh, I mean, here's the thing, Sam Howell. Like, twelve months ago, people were projecting Sam Howell as the number one overall pick in this draft. Like, he's fallen hard. He had nobody around him this year. Like, I I think we're too down on Sam Howell. But if you're if you're like, oh, Sam Howell is our quarterback, then just wait till next year. But if they pick Sam Howell, like, I'm going to find reasons to be excited about it. Oh, of course. We're gonna we're gonna fire up the narrative machines no matter what. I'm ready to I'm ready to propagandize this kid into superstardom. Absolutely. We have that influence. Mina Mina Kimes and Danny Kelly are blowing up my phone right now and I'm not looking. The phone the phone is turned away. Do not disturb is on. No notifications oh my making God. it through. I'm just getting I'm just like every twenty seconds. Getting an update or or a notification that they're they've texted. I'm you've not looking. The, I'm you've watching got the goal line defense on that phone. Not a goddamn text is getting through. I'm watching some fucking commercial instead of looking. Like I just I need this to be organic. Oh man, I'm just thinking about Dino Riders. <laughs> the Bears aren't taking him, so their pick is in. So they have the option. Malik Willis is there. This is heinous. I can't live like this. Myself to this shit. I can't live like this, Mike. Honestly, like I was very nervous about nine and excited, and they nailed that. But this whole time, all I've been thinking about is forty and forty-one. Like all offs, ever since the uh, the Russell Wilson trade, this moment right here is what I've been visualizing. What are they gonna do with it? Trevor Penning's off the board. Thank God. The pick is in. All right. They're going to take a tight end with a fourth-round grade. This I'm ready. Next, shut your mouth. This next 20 minutes is the most important 20 minutes of the post-Russell Wilson Seahawks offseason. Boyamafe. Okay, I'm into it. You get your edge. You get your pass rusher. Yes, I will take that. Okay. Like, he was on the short list, honestly. He was on the short list. I mean, Boyamafe is a player. He seems like a Pete Carroll guy. The second pick is in. 41 is in. They're picking. Oh, my God. All right, here we go. <gasps> hey! You got right, your got running, running back. back. They did it. Okay. For Honestly, honestly, though, I love Kenneth Walker. Like, Hey, man. They punted on quarterback. I've been saying punt on quarterback. I, I am into Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker is a special running back. The Seahawks are a different beast when they're running the ball well. Oh my god. Okay, you know what? I remember I remember the feeling of just absolute deflation when the Rashad Penny pick was announced and I do not feel that way right now. This is different. I hey, hey, I I said it yesterday, man. I could see them going Kenneth Walker. You did. I was hoping for 72, but he wasn't going to be there. I'm I am into that. I'm not I'm not even gonna lie. I got I got the one oh one in my dynasty league with um I'm in a dynasty fantasy football league with Danny Kelly and Mina Kimes and Nate Tice and some others. And uh I've got I just traded up for the one oh one thinking I was gonna take Brees Hall and now that is going to be tested hard, hard with Kenneth Walker in Seattle. <laughs> Oh, my God. They drafted a running back over Malik Willis, and I think that really just tells you everything you need to know, right? It does. That's the thing. That That's it, exactly. There is no way they didn't do every ounce of diligence on Malik Willis. I mean, they could still trade back up, but honestly, here's the thing. We got, in a lot of people's opinion the number one pass-blocking offensive tackle in this draft, a very good defensive end. Whether you like it or not, running back fucking matters on a Pete Carroll team. It does. Like, we've seen what the offense looks like when you have to check down to DJ Dallas and Travis Homer and Alex Collins. Like, it's just not the same. And then a healthy Rashad Penny, a healthy Chris Carson, obviously Marshawn. It's a different offense. It's a scary offense. Kenneth Walker is really fucking good at being a running back. So if you're going into the season with 
no rookie that you're drafting, right? No Ritter, no Howell, no Willis. If you're rolling with Drew Locke or Geno Smith or, God forbid, Jacob Eason, um, if circumstances dictate so, why not have the coolest fucking running game of all time, right? Yeah. He's a special running back. Like, he's a special running back. All right, Andy Dickerson. Let's see what you got, man. He's crazy good. Kenneth Walker is crazy fucking good. Whoo! Okay. All right. Time to process. Okay. So we got Charles Cross. That's an A pick in my mind with Neil and Iquanu off the board. With everybody off the board, Charles Cross was the best player available. So that's an A. Boye Mafe, probably the best pass rusher left on the board. That's probably an A. And Kenneth Walker, for sure, the best running back on the board by, like, a country mile. I'm okay with it, man. I don't know. Maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment, but I'm into it. I'm, like, into Kenneth Walker. Okay, so what does this mean for Chris Carson? I don't think it – I don't think they're counting on him. I agree, but do you think that means – do you think that means that he's going to be on the roster? Dude, he has a broken neck. Okay. All right, so now 72. Malik's not falling to 72. Unless. Dude. Dude, if they get him at 72, if they lead this let's, let's first two days. Woo! Okay. So, Come on now. Right. Come all on. Right. We are at pick 70 right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars oh are on the clock. The Chicago Bears are next. They're not taking a quarterback. Then They're the Seattle Seahawks are on the clock. Okay, oh Jackson, my God, Jackson, if there's no trade. We have been we have been with one another no. throughout the vast majority of this draft. And every fucking second of it, we have been saying, Who oh, do you think the Seahawks are gonna take Malik Willis next? But if the Seahawks get just to like 70, that, it, 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 just yeah, like that was the exact cadence, the exact sound. It was it was perfect. If the Seahawks get to 72 and Malik Willis is still on the board and they have the opportunity, you I just, mean, look, fuck look, it. You just have to take like, it. As we said before, there's a very real chance that he's just not their guy, right? Like, if, mm-hmm. if, if he's there at 72 again, they drafted a fucking running back over him already. If he is there and they do not select him, it's obvious, right? It's, it's written in stone that he is not the quarterback for the Seahawks. Yes. But if they bumble their way into the most toolsy quarterback of the draft at 72, oh my God, there's no way. There's the the other intriguing angle to look at this. Uh, Jacksonville's in already, dude. There's only one chance for a team to jump. Okay, so that's what I was going to say. The next thing to think about is the linebackers because the linebacker run was coming. N'Kobe Dean N'Kobe is still, Dean is still on the board, and Chad Muma is the other guy that I was just going to mention. If the Bears' pick is in without trading, Malik Willis is sitting there at 72. Dude, you want to – even if even if they don't like him, if, if Pete Carroll and John Schneider have any interest in uh, – healing the discourse oh around themselves. Oh, my God. Dude. Man, I mean, this is right where Seattle drafted Russell Wilson. They took him at I mean, the other 75. thing to think about is maybe it's not Malik Willis. Maybe it's Matt Corral. Maybe it's Desmond Ritter. Maybe it's maybe it's Sam Howell. Dude, I will say of all the quarterbacks, the one I will be le- – there's only one that will make me legitimately upset, and that's Matt Corral. Matt Corral seems to me all the things that people don't like about Baker Mayfield – Without any of the things they do. We've traveled so far. We've covered so much ground. We've we've crossed oh oceans, horizons, landscapes galore. Just to reach pick 72 with Malik Willis still on the board. And the Seattle Seahawks on the oh clock. Oh my god. There's like nobody else on my radar at this point. Besides Nakobe Dean. You need another tackle, maybe Abe Lucas from Wazoo. Yeah, I could see the Wazoo tackle. That's that's another one. Because here's the thing. If they don't draft Malik Willis next year, we are going to be so goddamn amped about quarterback next year in that draft. The pick is in. It's already in. 
I have a feeling I'm about to Google search oh, whoever yeah. this is. I mean, they've done a good job through the first three. They've earned one Google pick at this point. Like, quarterback's the one position where you have a plan. And it's clear that their plan has not been to draft a quarterback this year. Do you do you pivot off of that? Because if you go Malik Willis here, you're saying we're not drafting a quarterback next year. There is nothing that happens short of paralysis if you draft Malik Willis that lets you draft one of the first-round quarterbacks next year. There's no way. You know what? Just take Abe Lucas. Really sounds like your heart's in that, huh? No. <laughs> I'm stealing myself for it. I will say this. You're right. If it's not Malik Willis, if it's Nicobe Dean or Abe Lucas, I'm into it. Like, honestly, let's talk about if it's Abe Lucas. What have we wanted? We've wanted high investment in the offensive line. And I have been saying punt quarterback. I just didn't expect Willis to be here at 72. Oh, man. And Shaquem's announcing right, the pick. All right, here we go. Shaquem Griffin announcing oh, the pick. God. Here we go, dude. Let's go. Well, there, there you go. Is. There it is. Abe Lucas. Okay. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. That's two tackles. Two Mike, Mike Leach adjacent tackles. <laughs> You got to have blockers for Kenneth Walker III, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm not mad at that pick. What have we been calling for all season? Pound the trenches. Offensive line. I mean, we're talking two tackles, an edge rusher, and a running back. Like, this is Pete Carroll's ship. If there was any doubt left. All right, just, just off the top, just off the top, what is your prediction for the absolute floor that Malik Willis will slide. I mean, the thing is, is there's a very, very real and chartable cutoff between day two and day three in terms of how NFL teams approach their prospects. We're 25 picks away from Malik Willis being like an afterthought for NFL teams potentially. Like, if you're round four or later, you are very cuttable. So I just don't see that happening. He goes this round. Hey, Denver's sitting at 75. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a perfect little bit of symmetry right there? They traded for Russell Wilson without successfully negotiating his extension. Wouldn't it be something if they drafted the escape route At pick 75, the same pick Russell Wilson went for 10 years ago. Malik Willis, usurper, Russell Wilson, Matt Flynn. Mike, I got to tell you, man, we're sitting here early third round. Seahawks got four picks in. And as best as I can in the moment, zooming out and looking at this, I'm pretty fucking excited about this draft. Two tackles, one of which is like a unanimous, this guy's got it. Another guy that I think has a chance to be really good as a right tackle. We got an edge rusher, the best one available at 40, in my opinion. And a tremendous, potentially difference-making running back. I don't know, man. Again, could be prisoner of the moment. I'm feeling really, really good about this. How about you? I feel okay. You know, we talked We talked yesterday about, oh, well, would we feel all right with a running back? And we kind of came to the consensus, not at 40 or 41. So that's a little iffy, but I'm excited for the player. Uh, Feels like they got sniped, Um, but I'm happy with Mafe. I'm I'm interested to see where you and I both are at tomorrow. So let's... uh, Totally. I'm I'm looking forward to sleeping on this, and I cannot wait to hear what Doug Farrar has to say about the Seahawks draft class. Yep. So let's call it for now, brother, and we will reconvene with Doug tomorrow. All right. Sleep well. So that's how we felt about things, but we're just some regular, run-of-the-mill, incredibly handsome and charming guys. What do we know? 
We need an expert to break these picks down for us, and frankly, I think we got one of the very best today. He is the NFL editor for USA Today and the author of The Genius of Desperation. He is Doug Farrar. Doug, I know this is the craziest weekend of the year for you. Thanks for carving out some time to join us. Good Saturday morning, guys. How's it going? <laughs> Great, man. Really happy to have you. I, I know time is precious, so let's do a synchronized swan dive right into it. We'll get a little more granular on each of the picks in a moment, but how would you grade the Seahawks draft as a whole so far? Uh, I give it a U for unusual, and here's why. Um, you guys know this. First four or five years of the Carroll Schneider era, what did they do? They hit on undervalued assets over and over and over, and then they went into overvalued projects. Mm-hmm. And that's why their last five or six drafts, with a few exceptions, have, well, uh, how should I put this, sucked. <laughs> they knew they had a rebuild. Um, whether they say it or not, they know. Um, Russell's gone and, you know, all this stuff, and they have no offensive tackle. So they get my OT1, they wow. get my OT5, they get my RB2, and they get my Edge 6. The, all, all guys I would have given, you know, Mafia I would have given like a second-round grade to. Um, Walker, I think, was a first-round talent. I don't think he was the best running back in the class. I think that's Damian Pierce from Florida. But, um, you know, Cross is my OT1 by a fairly wide margin. Um, Abe Lucas, Slayer fan, got a, I'm sure you guys know this story, he got a noise complaint in his dorm for playing uh, Slayer on his guitar at 3 a.m. And I have eight guitars over here, so he's my guy. And Abe, if you need a guitar buddy, West Seattle is just right down the street. So there you go. Um, I would give it an A because it seems like they're going back to let's stop getting cute. Let's stop pretending that we know more than everybody else. We're going to get this, you know, we're going to get an L.J. Collier or Rasheem Green and turn him into the next Michael Bennett. No, we'll just get a guy who profiles like Michael Bennett. We'll do it that way. (laughs) I like that. Let's stop taking D3 defensive tackles and trying to turn them into centers. Let's just get good offensive linemen. So it, it seems like they're going back to that, which is, you know, good. Because that's, you know, we, we make fun of the Raiders for, you know, all three of their first-round picks in 2019. They didn't pick up any of the options. I mean, Seattle's drafts in the last half decade have not been any better than the Giants, who fired Dave Gettleman, or the Raiders, who blew everything up. I mean, Pete and John are still here. They have the equity. But I think they knew, it was like, we've got to just draft good guys here. We've got to stop doing whatever it is we were doing before. That's a bold strategy, drafting good guys. <laughs> I know, right? Weird. Can't wait to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, on, honestly, I one of the things that, kind of impressed me and it, it started with the Trey Brown pick uh last year was we're seeing some adaptability from uh Carol and Schneider with the way they're approaching some of these players uh that I didn't think they had to be perfectly honest with you you know Trey I, I use Trey Brown as an example because he was a small sticky man corner you know the exact opposite of the prototype that Seattle basically introduced to the NFL 10 years ago and Slot press man. Yeah, just yeah, punch you in the totally. face and, you know, get a lot of penalties and, you know, cover really well. Yeah, and now we've seen their uh, willingness to switch up the offense by bringing in Shane Waldron, running more of that kind of wide zone, quick passing game, at least in theory. Uh, this year, they are opening up the defense from kind of what, what had become a pretty stale scheme, I think. And, and are promising to be more dynamic. I, I'm really impressed by their willingness to pivot. Well, they had to because they knew, and I don't know what happened in the room between ownership and Pete and John, but I think this was the guys in the building saying, okay, yeah, we are, are not doing this well. We need to figure it out. And, you know, Pete's capable of figuring out, talking to him halfway through the 2010 season. And we were all still a little bit like, Mm, not sure about this. And I asked him pretty bluntly, like, okay, you failed with the Jets, you failed with the Patriots, you went to USC, why should we believe that you're different now? And he went into this long thing about how he took that year off between the Patriots and SC and wrote for NFL.com and read his John Wooden books and kind of got his head straight and realized, I'm not doing this the right way. And I was impressed by that. Obviously, things worked out well in the, in the, the few years since. I, th- I don't know if the CFs have gotten complacent in their methodology when it comes to evaluating players, but it's not working. Mm-hmm. And at that point... Well, they refer either- to themselves as arrogant in terms of their defensive scheme and adaptability. Absolutely. Well, I agree with that. 
And, you know, you guys know how the NFL is. The, the moment you think you know everything, uh, here comes a truck right headed, you know, right for your face. Oh, so. ab- absolutely. So talk to me about Charles Cross. Given how the board fell, he was far and away the top player left for both Mike and I. Uh, so we were thrilled to see that they didn't get cute, like you said. And I know many have read. I, hit- I honestly thought they were going to draft Trevor Penning. That yeah, time. so did we. Or or trade back and draft Trevor Penning, and then it's like, ugh, because I don't. I I'm sorry. I'm I'm sure he's a great uh, person, but I, don't know <laughs> well, I gave him a third round grade, and that would be so Seattle, right? It would. Like, we have small a, school or, old guy, or, or even lower down where. You know, the, when they selected Bruce Irvin, I had to scramble to watch his tape because I hadn't. Uh-huh. So that right. that would be more the thing where it wouldn't even be Trevor Penning. It would be like uh, someone I haven't watched yet. You know, someone from Raccoon State Teachers College. Oh, we believe he's the next, you know. Walter someone Jones. from UT Chattanooga. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. that, that McVeigh and Sneed thing, how many beers were they in by that point? Yeah, not man. enough. That was that was, awesome. that was hilarious. That was awesome. That was spectacular. Hilarious. So Charles Cross, Charles Cross was my OT one. He was my OT one by a fairly wide margin. Wow. And before we get into the whole air raid, Mike Leach, he can run block. It's fine. It's okay. Um, two things about him. He has what I call match feet, which is where you go, I go. My feet lead the way. You expect that from cornerbacks. You do not expect that from offensive tackles. You don't see it a lot. Um, Great pass blocker. When he gets to the second level, a lot of guys when they get to the second level and they're blocking, they're just kind of running around going, I want to hit somebody. He is very practiced, very technique sound as far as I'm going to get my hands here at the second level. I'm going to push you this way. I'm going to seal the edge. He's aggressive, but he's not stupid. And the way I put it in my scouting report is he doesn't want to dominate you. He wants to eliminate you. He wants to make you invisible. That, to me, if you're a defensive, if you're an edge rusher, that's more embarrassing than being dominated, where you just don't you don't get any reps. You don't get near the quarterback because this guy's got you on lock. I comped him to David Bakhtiari, uh, left tackle for the Packers, because he just makes everything look easy. And, you know, you heard more about Evan Neal and certainly more about Ike Aquano and even more about Trevor Penning. Uh, other guys who were just ass kickers and glass eaters and that whole thing, and, you know, NFL people love that. With Cross, I'm just looking at a guy going, I put him on my left side. My quarterback's fine for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. That's so, amazing. Yeah, he seems he, he seems like an OT artist. One. Yeah, yeah, he he's well. And Carolyn Schneider and their um, their presser after they took him, they we both mentioned how smart he is in you know in protection, and that's something we don't talk about enough. Of it's not just my hands are here and I you know bend here and my feet are here. You have to understand what the games are. He picks up stunts really well. And a lot of guys in this class don't do that. Um, Jermaine Johnson, who was my edge one, made Ike Aquandu's life miserable last season with that. Um, Cross, he can pretty much handle what you throw at him. Would you like him to be 10% more aggressive at the end of blocks? Sure. Is he an absolute power guy? No. And it's interesting that, you know, how many times did Pete say, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, in his pressers this week? Uh 27 or 28, I think. But not not Cross, not Abe Lucas and Kenneth Walker, who we'll get to. None of those guys are power guys. They're not like, you know, run yeah. through a bleeper blooper's face. <laughs> and that's fine because you can excel in the run game that way. It's just different. So Cross, for me, um, I, I think if you're a Seahawks fan, if you've uh, dealt with the travails of the offensive line evaluation over the last 10 years, um they hit it out of the park with Cross, and I think they hit it out of the park with Lucas. They're just different types of players. One of the things we've talked about on this show a fair amount is how in most NFL locker rooms, the left tackle is the baddest dude out there. Like if you had to send one dude out to win a fight against one dude from any other team, you're probably sending out that left tackle. Dwayne Brown has absolutely been that guy for Seattle. Do you think, A, this means he's officially out and B, do you think Charles Cross has that type of alpha of the locker room potential? Well, I don't know him as a person. I mean, from his play style, he's more technical than he is aggressive. Now, that doesn't mean like I've sat down with Walter Jones. I've watched tape with Walter. Walter is like the nicest person you've ever met in your life. 
Yeah. There isn't a mean bone in his body until he gets on the field. Right. Yeah, as far as the, the alpha in the locker room, I don't know. They need more of those. They don't yeah. have them as they did with the LOB where everyone was an alpha. Well, especially if it. Bobby and Dwayne are going to be gone now too. You know, if yeah. you don't have Wagner and Brown, that there's a vacuum there. It's kind of the beta band now, which they need to rebuild that. Um, so Cross, as far as the kick your asshole thing, I don't know about that. I just know that they desperately need a, a pass protector and a plus run blocker, and he's all those things. Um, it, it, we're talking about Waldron inside, outside zone. Outside zone especially, the stretch plays and things like that. Um, Cross also recovers really well. Uh, Josh Pascal... Um, trying to remember who he went to. I really liked him, the edge guy from Kentucky. Yeah. Um, he beat Cross across his face on one rep, and Cross recovered to prevent pressure. So, and when I watch offensive linemen, I want to see one of the things I really look at is what are your worst reps? Like when do you, when are you off your feet? When do you lose? And how do you recover? And I think Cross is really good. Lucas, who we'll talk about in a minute, he's got a little work to do on that. Um, he needs to play more Slayer, clearly. But, um, you know, Cross, the, the, saying he's an artist, I, you know, I'd go with that. And that's fine. I like it. All right. So I think we all considered it a successful day one. Seattle didn't fuck it up. But to me, day two was the most interesting day of this entire offseason for Seattle. Sands, of course, the Russell Wilson trade. Mike and I spent all afternoon doing quarterback math after only Kenny Pickett was taken in the first round. We were trying to permutate the possibility that Malik Willis would still be there at 40. Well, just to lo break and in, behold, my second favorite quarterback in this class behind Willis is still on the board, and that's Sam Howell. I like him too, honestly. You go back and watch his 2020 tape. He lost his two top uh, running backs, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Uh, he lost his two top receivers. He comes back in 2021. They basically turned him into a freaking running back. He hit, you know, 800-plus yards and, like, 11 touchdowns. And, you know, with quarterbacks, it's kind of like what I said. What are your worst reps? Like, when are you in a most adverse situation, and how do you handle it? I think Howell played fine last year. You go back to his 2020 tape, and you're like, holy crap, that's a, that's a first-round guy. So I don't know that they're out of it, the quarterback thing totally. anyway. Totally. And I would just, sorry to interrupt, but um, as far as the quarterback thing, I would take Sam Howell over anyone in this class not named Malik Willis. And yet, there they were at 40 and 41 with all these options staring in the face. Options we didn't think were going to exist at that point in the draft. No one traded up to take a quarterback ahead of them. And, you know, they stared that intoxicating athleticism from Malik Willis right in the face, and instead took edge rusher Boye Mafe, running back Kenneth Walker. Talk to me a little bit more about these guys and their fit in Seattle. I love Mafe. Um, he is a recent convert to football. Um, you know, he's still kind of putting it together. but it, So he doesn't – he's not a counter guy. He's not a hands guy. Um, I believe Minnesota put him inside on 20 snaps last year. Um, and usually what he'd do to get to the quarterback is go all the way around the guard and the tackle and then flatten his edge and come back in and, you know, get a sack. So he needs to learn how to use his hands a little better to just, you know, get the guard, put him on skates. But he's got the, you know, 6'3 and 3 quarter, 261. Um, the wingspan, 80.34 inches, that's 58. Arm length... 32 and 5 eighths. That's 16th percentile. And there are times with Mafe where if he doesn't get his hands out and give you that shock right away, guys will get in his kitchen and push him back. So these are all technical things. They're not problems. Um, but I was really intrigued watching Mafe inside as an inside-outside guy. And I'll just I'll I'll read you my NFL comparison for Mafe because I one of my favorite Seahawks players of all time. My NFL <laughs> cop was Michael Bennett. Hey, we and like I that. Wrote, I wrote an underactive free agent at Texas A&M in 2009. Bennett played pretty well with the Buccaneers for a few seasons and then blew up to a thermonuclear level with the Seahawks when his new team realized how he could disrupt from multiple gaps. I think that Mafe has a ton of untapped potential in this regard, and I hope his NFL team sees him the way the Seahawks saw Bennett. Now there's a pretty good chance that happens. I'm just saying. Hey, that... That's music to our ears for sure. Now, with Kenneth Walker, 
you've got a running back taken at 41, which is a mortal sin to a lot of the folks out there given yeah. their opinions uh, and, you know, and their honestly, grades. I don't, the right. whole running I'm, backs don't matter. I, I'm I with you. Uh, only a Sith deals in absolutes. I'll just, you know, nothing <laughs> is nothing is always the one thing or the other. If yeah, you have I, a guy, I, I think we got to be willing to zoom out a little bit on this stuff and and talk about, you know, I, I believe there are some teams where running back matters less for sure. But you cannot watch the Seahawks. You cannot watch the Seahawks for the last five years and come away with any other, in my opinion, good faith view that having a good running back doesn't transform this offense because when it's been a healthy Carson, a healthy Penny, a healthy Marshawn Lynch, even a healthy Thomas Rawls, this offense is really, really good. It's a dangerous offense, but when it's DJ Dallas, Travis Homer, Alex Collins, it's not like it's night and day. Well, you go back to the Saints game last year. By the way, Javante Williams, who the Broncos took in the early second round, I would have taken him to mid first and not thought a, a second of it because he, to me, was Marshawn crossed with Nick Chubb. Um, if you have a guy like that, you go get him. Yeah. Um, yeah, the thing about Seattle's, the Saints game last year, where they just kept plotting into the same line over and over and over for one yard, one yard, one yard. And with Russell, you guys know this, it was semi-explosive run play, uh, tackle for loss. Okay, Russell, it's third and nine. Go do your weird shit. You can't build an offense around that. Um so, getting to Kenneth Walker, he was my RB2. Uh, Damian Pierce, who from Florida, who, you know, Dan Mullen didn't use him enough, and then Dan Mullen got fired in season, they used him more. Um, I think Damian Pierce, who, by the way, is still on the boards, he's an ex-Frank Gore. And by the way, Pete mentioned in the presser last night, after they took Walker, that, that season where they had, like, four running backs, they all got hurt, and they had to call Marshawn, and, hey, Marshawn, can you come back and do the whole Van Halen 3 thing? Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible <laughs> to see X don't draft a running back later. Yeah. And, you know, if it's a Damian Pierce, who's just a total headbanger, I, I think he'd fit perfectly. Walker, to me... Um, let's, let's talk see. about that. I yeah. am really excited about Kenneth Walker. I, I think that he might be the best runner in this entire draft class. I, I love Damian Pierce. I love Brees Hall. For what Seattle wants to do, they're not a team that throws to the running back a whole lot, or at least they haven't when they had Russell Wilson. He seems like a perfect fit. This dude is explosive at all three levels. He's fast, but he's not frenetic is what I wrote. Um, no FBS back had more runs of 15 or more yards than Walker's 30 last year, which he gained 881 out of his 1,634 rushing yards. Um, body lean into his speed cuts. Keeps him away from contact. Uh, he does present a favorable target on the swing passes and release routes he ran at Michigan State with the potential to do more as a receiver. Gets skinny through gaps. His jump cuts are ridiculous. Um, also exceptional things fall apart at the line. He has to make lightning-quick diagnoses and responses, especially when bouncing outside. So if he sees a hole or a, a, you know, a, a scrum, something he can't get through, he's perfectly capable of, you know, and then go. Um... The contact power, just he's not a power. And again, we're going into, well, what do we think the Seahawks want? They want to run the ball. You want to, you know, you think, you know, big nasty guards, uh, Trevor Penning with his 99 uh, run blocking grade from Pro Football Focus. Uh, and then you go get a bunch of guys who can just, you know, eat glass. Um, Walker's not that guy. I compared him to Melvin Gordon. That's great. And, comp. That is a great comp for him. You know, he runs a, just like him. He's a slasher, and he's, what is his, yeah, 5'9", 211, 4'3", He checks all the boxes, but not in the way you would think of a Chris Carson or a Marshawn Lynch. If you want that guy, you go get Damian Pierce or Tyler Algier, the kid from BYU, you know, who I compared to Marion Barber. Um, you, you, go, you go get that guy. So I'm really going to be fascinated to see, like, okay, we all know the Seahawks are going to run the ball more. It's going to be around that and, you know, whoever the quarterback is. But what kind of run game is it? And I think it could be more speed and explosiveness in second and third level than, you know, ramming your car into the same brick wall over and over. Because they did that last year, and it was kind of pathetic. Yeah, it, it was. And it was hard to watch, frankly. And I just don't see that with Walker. I, I, I think that... You know, there's some talk about, oh, there's, you know, I think $11 million uh, earmarked for Penny and Chris Carson this year. 
And so why are you using a high second round pick on another running back? But I think that if you unpeel that even one layer, you're talking about a one-year rental with Rashad Penny, who's pretty fragile, Chris Carson, who may or may not still have a broken back. And then it's just DJ they, Dallas Pete on the roster last after night that. They, Pete said last night on uh, Carson, they don't have the medicals back. They don't know. Yeah. And yeah. We don't need to. We don't need to look through the the, the slats here. Pete said it that year. They had four running backs, and they had none. They're yeah. going to build up the depth there. Um, and Car- and, and and Kenneth Walker is he young. That out. He. Yeah. I mean, Kenneth Walker just turned twenty-one. This is he's like Javante in that he was dominating. I mean, Heisman finalist dominating. At a major conference, at a very young age, this isn't some guy that's coming in at 23 years old and you've got a three-year window to maximize. Kenneth Walker profiles, and his running style is one that profiles as a guy that can have a longer career and an effective career uh, than we typically see from NFL running backs. Well, this is what I wrote. My conclusion on uh, by the way, he is not a good pass protector at all. Blitzing defensive backs gave him fits. Um, can zip My God, that's Travis music. Homer's music. <laughs> yeah. Well, I well, think I think yeah. Kenneth Walker does profile as a as a two down running back for the most part. Post contact power is an issue. It will have him running himself right out of the play when he doesn't see an opening. So if that first you know go, he's not going to create openings after contact. Here's my conclusion. Walker's traits in production project him very well into any zone-heavy run scheme which can use his quickness and agility to break off big gains and explosive plays. He will never be a headbanger, but if he's able to advance his route palette and clean up the blocking issues, he has a chance to wow in the NFL as he did in the Big Ten. Now, again, the Melvin Gordon comp. That doesn't profile as a typical Seahawks guy. So, again, you go I back to... I think typical I'm Seahawks really, guy is a changing definition these days. Yeah, well, clearly. Um, and, we, you know, what's the 3-4 going to look like and what does that mean and blah, blah, blah. They really haven't talked about how they're changing their offense, but they're telling you with their personnel... They are. ...that it's not going to be the big... Or they would have traded up for a Quanu and, you know, or taken right, Penning right. or and just get you know the BYU kid in the fifth round and, and go beat people up or try to. Um, Walker is an explosive slasher. He's a different guy. He's a great player, but if you're wanting Marshawn to run through nine eagles, that's not who he is. I don't think you go chasing an alien like that. Like If you have a chance to get someone like Marshawn Lynch, then that's one thing. But to try and pigeonhole someone into being Marshawn Lynch, I think is a fool's errand. You got to. Well, play, I would argue that over the last five things. years, I mean, we talked about the Seahawks draft failures. They've been chasing a lot of aliens. And they have been. Yep. Failing miserably. So and, let's just go get the good guy. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, you know, one of the arguments oftentimes against taking a running back fairly early is, you know, you got to watch for talent cliffs at these positions and I think typically there is not such a deep and dramatic talent cliff at running back as we saw this year but I mean you said you you like Damian Pierce more than most for sure in in my mind there was a a pretty pretty big fall off after Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall were off the board so I yeah I I mean I didn't honestly the Brees Hall thing I didn't I mean eh, I didn't you know the 439 40 I didn't see it He's, yeah. he, uh, my comp was Matt Forte, more a smooth glider. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was Damian Pierce one, Kenneth Walker two, and that to me is where the drop off started. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about their final pick of the first two days. Another tackle, Abraham Lucas, Washington State Slayer fan. Beyond that, what can you tell us about him? Is he is he the right tackle of the future, or is he there to compete with Stone Forsyth or Jake Curran? What's what's the plan here? Um, I was listening to Greg Hosell has a great podcast called Tapeheads, um, and everyone knows who Greg is uh, with Bob Shoes and who does Jet stuff. And they had Rick Spielman on, I think, two weeks ago, and they were asking Rick about um, different offensive tackles he liked, and <laughs> I found it fascinating that Spielman specifically mentioned Abraham Lucas as a guy he liked because the guy Lucas reminds me of is Brian O'Neill, the Vikings right tackle, who's really good and very underrated and just got like a $90 million contract. Um, I'm like, well, God, Rick, no wonder you like him. You basically drafted him. Yeah. Um, Lucas is not an air raid guy. 
is a power guy. He has an attitude to him. So, yeah, 749. Both of these guys lined up in a ton of pass sets. Lucas lined up for 749 pass blocking stats in 21. No sacks, two quarterback hits, 17 quarterback That's hurries. Um, nasty streak that shows up in open space can use his movement skills and hand use to box defenders out with target accuracy. Plus footwork. Um, there are times when he fought Kayvon Thibodeau to a draw. And you want, you know, obviously you want to look at the you guys like that. who, you know, you, you're looking for strength of opponent to whatever degree. My conclusion was the extent, I mean, again, the extent to which you grade Lucas as a first year starter will depend a lot on the type of offense you prefer. If you're all about, you know, running your way, you know, banging your way into sustained running place, he won't be your first choice. Uh, players of Lucas's ilk are becoming more and more important in the NFL as the league transitions to more RPOs, quick game concepts, and offenses are facing defenses that make the front side protector as important as the blind side guy. In any of those offenses, Lucas will fit like a proverbial glove. Um, I love his talent. He was my OT5. He was my favorite right tackle, assuming that Evan Neal won't play, you know, if they put Evan on the right side in New York, then he becomes my favorite right tackle. But the guy who has played there, I think he's great. I, I think you now have two plus pass protectors, one on either side in Seattle's offensive line. And again, what the hell's going on here? Hey, so, I mean, we're talking about four for four in your book then. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time the Seahawks did that? When's the last time you loved the first four picks that they've made in the draft? Um, well, I mean, 2010. See, <laughs> okay, 12 years no. ago, got it. <laughs> well, they got the... They did they nail got, that one. They got the extra first from uh, the Josh McDaniel Broncos, and I believe that's when they used on Earl. And then they got Okung. And you're like, okay, you, you have, like, no talent. Because Rusko left them with nothing except, like, Max Unger, and I think they had the punter, and everyone else was just awful. So that's why they did 500 roster moves. I'm not exaggerating in the first two years because they were just trying to spin it and churn it and see what happened. Um, we go back to the whole, they used to hit on undervalued assets, then they got really good, then they got cute. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll try and see how smart we are taking this guy and making him into that. They, don't, they can't afford to do that. If they have another draft like they had in the last five years, you're going to see a very different organization <laughs> next year, put it that way. Um, <clears throat> so now it's back to, let's get the best guys on our board, let's quit screwing around, and let's put them where they belong. So um, Stone Forsyth, I, I think he becomes a swing guy. Uh, Carol, I, I watched the, the phone call. Carol said, we want you to come in. We want you to compete. We want you to be the day one starter right away. I mean, Pete is not, I know he's into the clues on Twitter, He's being pretty clear about how he wants this to go. Yeah, it's it's signaling for sure. And this is the stuff, like, <laughs> you know, this was the first really, truly frustrating season because I think it took a few years. I think Seattle was so good with scheme and roster construction for the first five years of the Carol Schneider uh, era that they bought themselves a big margin for error as it started to crumble. And then finally... Last year, Russell Wilson's finger laid it all bare. And their ability to say, we're not, what we're doing isn't working in the modern NFL. When, when you're, watch, when you're watching the final eight teams every year, you don't, even, even when Seattle was going, winning 11 or 12 games over these past few years, you get to that final eight and you're like, yeah, the Seahawks aren't at the level of, the Packers, the Rams, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Titans. These are teams that are just better. Like Seattle isn't going to ha to beat these teams head to head most likely. And I think that started in 20 it was the year the Panthers lost to the Broncos 50. Uh so it was 2015 where the Panthers just kicked their asses in the playoffs and like mm, Yep. Yeah. They were down I think 31 nothing in the first half something like that, 24 nothing and it was just like Oh my God! This team is so much better than Seattle, <laughs> but it took it took five years to kind of turn the battleship around. Um, it's become a circus. Um, they have a lot of guys on their roster who are not hits. They're still extremely corner light. Um, I would look at Kobe Bryant and Jalen Armour Davis, uh, both prefs, both heavy single high defenses. Uh, especially Kobe Bryant, I think is great. 
Um, you know, they, they got some holes to fill, but it is nice to see the first four picks. They didn't get cute. They just took the, the guys who will fit. They, Mafe, I think, might take a little while just with the technique. I think the other three guys, you got you know, day one starters and let's go. That's unbelievable, man. Well, listen, we will let you get back to your grind. Thank you so much for coming in on your way out. Can you tell the listeners where they can get more of you? Oh yeah. Touchdownwire.usatoday.com. Uh, me and Mark Schofield are doing all kinds of crazy stuff and we'll continue that, uh, through the day today. We're writing our final grades, uh, love the angry tweets on those and uh that's where we are <laughs> that's awesome man and and make sure that you're adding doug to your twitter feed as well he is at nfl underscore doug farrar that's f-a-r-r-a-r i promise you he will make you a smarter football fan again doug thank you for hopping in yeah my pleasure guys take care keep up the great work all right all right what a great bit of insight in the moment from one of the sharpest dudes doing it That'll do it for us today. For those of you listening, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to give us a follow on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter at at Jackson Bevins. That's J-A-C-S-O-N. Mike is at at Mike Barwin. And the show itself is at Cigar Thoughts. You can also find us on Instagram at at Cigar Thoughts NFL and on Facebook at Seahawks Cigar Thoughts. Of course, you can listen to this show and read every article at fieldgoals.com slash Cigar Thoughts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and like the show, drop us a five-star rating and leave us a quick review. Y'all continue to amaze us with your support, not just tuning in, but in leaving the reviews, sharing on social media, and we are incredibly grateful for that. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, onwards and upwards, my friends. Mm -hmm.